0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at quiz.fox. Welcome to the Janice Dean Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying these conversations as much as I have, Today, we're dealing with a tough topic, but one that is an important one. My good friend, Gianno Caldwell, lost his baby brother, Christian, in a shooting in Chicago. A devastating family story that has propelled him into advocacy, into not only finding the killer, but also using his platform to address violence and a lax crime policy in Chicago. Many states around the U.S. are dealing with the same thing. Turning tragedy into advocacy is something I've had experience with over the last few years, and I know how hard but important this mission is. For Gianno, his family, and the families of others who have gone through the same experience, please welcome my friend, Gianno Caldwell. Tell me when you got the news.
1: June 24th, Friday morning, I get a panic call from my sister Mia, who... Just screams in the phone. It's
0: okay. uh, I understand, buddy. Take all the time you need. I get uh, it. I know.
1: I just didn't. uh, You know, you think you get to that point. I know. Where you can have these conversations and the tears aren't going to flow because you cried so much. Yes. And I thought I was there and I continue to think that I'm there and I prove myself wrong again. June 24th, my sister Mia calls me screaming into the phone saying Christian is gone. I said, "What do you mean gone? What are you talking about?" And she says, "He's dead." And I said, "What? Are you talking about? What are you talking about?" Yeah. And she was saying that he, he had he was killed that morning. And I began to really kind of question her. As to where she getting this information? Have you talked to police? Have you talked to a hospital? How do you know that it's true? And she began to tell me the story as she knew it, which turned out to be the story, which was Friday morning, 114th Street South Vincennes in Chicago. He's outside. There's other people outside because they were outside of some kind of restaurant or whatever it is. And black suv pulls up three or four african african american men with dreads get out begin firing they hit multiple people and my brother was the only one that didn't make it oh. he was the only one the person who was the intended target he survived critical condition multiple surgeries even i think maybe a week or two later still surgeries but he didn't have that opportunity, my little brother, to even be in that position. So it was really, really, really hard for me to grasp what was going on. I, um, I just needed to be sure. And no one was sure at that time when I first spoke with her. But my brother went in to the hospital about an hour after I spoke to my sister and he confirmed it. Mm-hmm. So that's... That started a spiral, yeah. Emotionally, um, certainly, just in my thinking, and I'm a very pensive person, and I began to really think, like, okay, how could I have prevented this? Mm. And in some ways, I began to blame myself a little bit.
0: Hi, you can't.
1: I'm gonna tell you why. Two summers ago, he called me and he said to me, Christian, that. I need to get out of Chicago. I said, Why? What's going on? And he was kind of in a panic. And I said, Why? What's going on? And he said, I need to get out. He said that everyone around him was being murdered. And I thought, you know, when he said, I need to get out, I'm like, someone after you? No, no one's after me. But I need to get out because all of my friends are dying. Mm-hmm. And I said, Okay. I can fly you out to L.A., which is where I am, or I can fly you to my mom's house in Sacramento. Talk to my mom. She said, okay. Fly him out the next day because there was no flights remaining, going out, anything direct. And he was there for two months, two or three months. And my grandmother, who's elderly, she has a nurse. She was calling him, telling him she needed help, and he knew that she needed help. He wasn't really feeling being in the house with my mom. it was That's a very complicated relationship, one in which she never reared him, and it's is just very difficult relationship to navigate. He ends up calling me saying that he wanted to leave, go back to Chicago two, three months in, and I said, why would you do that? Why would you leave? You called me begging to get you out. You said that you felt like his words, that he was going to be killed in Chicago. And he said, well, our grandmother needs the help. He wasn't really feeling being with my mom and her husband. And he just had to get out. And I said, no, I'm not buying you a ticket to leave. I'm not. I'm just not buying you a ticket. I'm not doing that. And I called my grandmother. And I regret telling her that but I said... If something happens to Christian, if he's murdered in Chicago, his blood is on your hands. I said that to her and I regret it now saying it to her because I was so upset with her for wanting him to go back to Chicago. So then it's like in my head to the premise of this this conversation, the genesis of it. I felt like I was to blame because maybe I could have pushed harder. No, you're not going to let him leave. I'm cutting off all financial support. I could have said so many different things, and I chose—I just didn't. I was just upset. So it hit me, man, maybe I could have saved him. Maybe I could have just moved them in with me Like after he said, yeah, I want to go back to Chicago. but well, just come live with me. I could have said that. And maybe this could have been prevented. I mean, but we'll never really know.
0: Well, what do you think he would have said to you? It's not your
1: fault. It's not my fault. And I recognize that. I realize that. But those were some of the initial thoughts that came through my head very early in.
0: I get it. I totally do. Yeah, Could we get some, um, some
1: napkins, not napkins? Tissue, tissue, Tissues. Tissues. I'm sorry. It's
0: okay. I can't. I know. I should have thought. I too. said napkins. Because I'm a crier too. Like, they just... should, when I come in here, they just need to have Kleenex. Yeah. I cry all the time yeah, as well.
1: We've been when we did my podcast, it was I know. A, I was in my closet crying.
0: <laughs> oh, buddy. I know. You go through all these it's like your 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 mind can't stop, you know. Scenario
1: like just, after scenario. Of course. How could this have been prevented? Yeah. And it's not like he was involved in the life. You he wasn't the intended target yeah, at yeah, all.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you. You know what we need is Kleenex whenever I come in to the studio. I get it because you go through a tragedy and your brain is working overtime. You're like, what could I have done? You know, I go back to what happened with my in-laws and it's like, well, we put them there. Oh my gosh, it's our fault. Yeah. Even though, His mom had a say in it. She was the one that picked the place. His dad needed constant care 24-7. There were ambulances coming to their four-story walk-up every other week. But yet you go back and say, I could have prevented this, you know? But you couldn't. You couldn't. And I think that Christian up there in heaven looking down saying, please don't torture you. Torture yourself. Because... You couldn't, there's only so much you can do. You've protected him for so long. You know, you talk about being a father figure to him, right? His whole life.
1: Right. But I couldn't protect him from this happening. And I know, I know what you're saying and I agree. I know you're absolutely correct. It's still the big brother in me, the father figure in me, wish that there were more that I could have done. I remember going through our text messages not that long ago and asking them, hey, I want to fly you out to Miami. When are you free? And messaging them multiple times like, hey, I want to get you out here. And that was the plan. Yeah. And well, it never happened.
0: You know what you can do and what you're doing right now is you're bringing awareness to it. And you're going to help other families. So that's how you help.
1: And I've been watching you Janice. You've done a tremendous job in your activist uh, activism for your in-laws. I mean, you've you've done something such a masterful job that I know was never intended. You never intended to be in that place. You never wanted to be in that place and none of us would want you into in that place, but now you look at the sacrifice of your family and you're talking about in-laws who you love and you Want to still to be here and protect. And now your activism has led to the protection of a lot of other people and awareness that money couldn't buy.
0: Well, I feel like we're connected because you had me on your podcast pretty early on and we talked about this, and you had to kind of talk me through it. Like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault they put 9,000 infected patients into the nursing home. So it's almost like that. They're still adv-
1: trying to cover it up. Of
0: course, they're still trying to cover it up. Over two years later, yeah. the wo- advice I give to you is prepare yourself because this is not just a couple of weeks. I know. It's a lifetime.
1: I know. Then we're a month and a half in now.
0: But it also helps because I feel like the advocacy has helped me because I've met other families. I've talk to people who have been in the same situation and that to me has been the saving grace is um and you know there is an obsession involved as well yes there's this kind of drive that you've never felt before because it affected your family yeah and the days that you're like I can't even get out of bed but then it's like I have to yes because if not me who
1: that's right and I think you've proven that over these long couple of years with with covid that there's not been a voice more bigger than yours there hasn't been a voice bigger than yours on this issue there's not been anyone shedding light like you have and i think a lot of people across the state and across the country are appreciative of your efforts and as i reached out to you even with my brother saying how did you how did you keep this going how did you cuz it's 2 years later usually a story like this mm-hmm. You know, people move on, but no one's moved on because you're keeping a light shined on the disgraceful acts of a previous governor and the continuous cover up of a current governor in the state of New York. And now me with my little brother actively seeking justice, trying to find out as much information as I can, getting tips, handing them over to the police, one which was really, really helpful and may lead to some real action, so keep us in your prayers there. But then there's this other piece, which is, I truly believe, and this isn't political, this isn't about left, right, Democrat, Republican, progressive. Soft on crime policies led to the death of my little brother. I really and truly believe that. Mm -hmm. In the city of Chicago, Mayor Lurie Lightfoot, as well as the county prosecutor, have absolutely failed its residents. It's gotten so bad out there that young people, and I remember we did this balloon release. I had never been to a balloon release, which is a release of balloons in an area where it can be, we went to this high school, for example, and the community residents came out. It was about 70 people, family and residents. And I shook everyone's hand, thanked them for being there. And I just recalled saying to the group, I've never been to a balloon release, and people were kind of scratching their head. Like, how could you have not been to a balloon release? This is what you do for people who have been murdered. How could you not have known someone else that's been murdered outside of your brother? That was kind of the 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 vibe that I got back from the people, because they've become desensitized to it, and it's almost an expectation.
0: Oh, my God. That
1: someone, either in your family—I'm not even going to say almost. It is an expectation in the city of Chicago for a lot of— youth there, that someone in your family is going to be murdered, a friend, someone that you know that you know you're going to have a connection to is going to be murdered. I, I also recall talking to a young man who came later and I went and shook his hand, thanked him for coming. He apologized for coming late. I said, nope, no worries at all. He said, I was at the hospital with my dad. I said, oh, no, I'm sorry that something happened. I'm thinking maybe, you know, a heart issue or, right. you know, something it's natural cause, this kind of situation. And he said... Uh, my father was just shot. I said, your dad was shot? This is like a 17, 18-year-old 17, kid. Yeah. Like, your dad, who I assume is probably 15 years older than you, was just shot? And he basically shook his shoulders like, yeah, like this is what happens. Oh, my gosh. That's what I'm saying. If we don't attack this thing from the root, it doesn't matter how many officers or prosecutors that you hire – if you don't change the policies, then there's a death grip on the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. It will continue to be a death grip. Mm-hmm. So this is where we are. And I'm I'm very disappointed. But now this is the fight that I have. Yes. This is it. So I've been talking to the Republican leader in Illinois. I've been talking to the Democrat Democrats in the state legislature. Um, we got to get something done. And I want to get something done bipartisanly because— At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your political affiliation or ideology is. You can be murdered on the streets at any given time, and it doesn't matter what color you wear on your sleeve. So everyone's lives are in danger in the city of Chicago if there's not a reversal. And that's going to take even time after it gets reversed, Mm -hmm. because the mentality of criminals are we're not going to be arrested. We're not going to be prosecuted. So why should we give a damn about any law? Because... For one, we're out here running rampant and no one's caught. They're short a thousand detectives um, and the policies are the policies. So they don't care.
0: And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this.
1: From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
0: Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. The front of the New York Post today, 10 career criminals racked up nearly 500 arrests since New York bail reform began. It's I mean, you can't make it up.
1: You can't. You can't. And Chicago has follow suit on the bail reform started in 2017, thanks to the chief judge of Cook County. And they are letting criminals back on the street. It's a revolving door. You do something wrong. You come in, you get right out. And you go commit more crime or in the instance of something that I'm really, really hot on, who was was really a soft on crime policy, because we talk soft on crime. But what is soft on crime policies? What are those specifically? There's uh, a program that is uh, the county is responsible for. Cook County is responsible for ankle monitor bracelets. And everyone remembers those. We've seen them in movies. House arrest. You get on house arrest. You get this ankle monitor bracelet. They have 100 people who have been charged with murder, that are at home right now with ankle monitor bracelets on. And these individuals, because there's been reporting on this, they can cheat these ankle monitor bracelets. They can go outside at times that they're not supposed to and go murder the person that witnessed. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like This is insane. Yeah, How right. can you— uh, who thought of this? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And then you got, I think it was 90% of the people outside of the 100, because in any given time, there's about 3,200 people with these ankle monitor braces on. 90% of those individuals were charged with felonies. Why, if, you, if you're if committing these egregious crimes, why are you even at home? Yeah. Why? So there's a number of things that need to be challenged. Bail reform is one of them. And we see that's obviously been the case whether it be in Chicago, New York, or anywhere across the country. You talk about LA, um San Francisco, whatever it is. These things need to be changed because they're endangering the lives of everyone. Mm-hmm. And people, politicians, who are prosecutors Need to care about the victims again because we're not seeing people actually care about the victims. Seems like they have more consideration around people who are committing the crimes. Mm-hmm. We saw that with the uh, the boot. Uh, with the, um, what was the guy um, who got beat up in the bodega? Is that what they call him? Yes, in, yes, in New he York? was arrested. Right, I know because he was, he was
0: in, protecting his bodega. I'm, I'm just
1: it's on tape. <laughs> Any reasonable person can look at the tape and say, okay, this guy came behind the counter. Right, he's attacking you. Yeah. I mean, self-defense is not that hard to figure out. Yeah. You got a tape. I know. But this is where we are right now in the country and things completely shattered after George Floyd. I'm going to tell you that. And I thought police reform was necessary. I still think more training is necessary. Cops who break procedure um, should face the penalty, whatever that is, for sure. Criminal justice reform is necessary but not in the sense of we're going to give violent criminals a pass. Mm. We're going to give people, I understand if you hopped the train style and it was a $3 ticket, you didn't pay that ticket. You shouldn't go to jail for 30 days. It cost the state a lot of money. It was a $3 offense and you're going to ultimately get out anyway. Right. So that's something I can understand. Those reforms I get, but not what we have now. Yeah, It's a dereliction of duty that these prosecutors um, are emboldening, criminals to commit more crimes and that's where we are right now what do we do if you don't change the laws we're stuck and that's ultimately what it is the criminals know i think what the laws are better than many of us wow they know how to total line okay well it's five hundred dollars uh in order for me to if i steal something over five hundred dollars it's a felony if it's under five hundred then maybe i don't even get a mis- misdemeanor i can walk right out the store mm. How much are they going to steal? $499. Right. Stop, I mean.
0: <laughs> and we saw it during the pandemic, the thing that made me crazy is being locked up, not being able to see our loved ones, not having funerals or wakes or holding their hand when they take their last breath. And yet, you were allowed to protest. You were right. allowed to be out there.
1: Right.
0: You know, shoulder to shoulder. Right. And it made me crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it was for many of those folks honorable. Mm. I'm talking about what the the people who said, no, we gotta lock down the country. Yeah. Uh they they praised those efforts. And again, you know, I understand police reform and I understand what happened with George Floyd. I get it, it shouldn't have happened, I understand that. But the pendulum should not have swung so far right. to the left that now we're desensitized desensitized and endangered I mean you can have a balance and there's no balance Hmm.
0: tell me about your family I mean you're a remarkable man
1: thank Um, you Janice you are it's just hard to believe myself that I'm still doing all of this it's it's very tough I I don't get it God is with me my family's in shambles they're my grandmother will call me and I spoke to her today she'll just call me to cry on the phone with me about Christian and I'll get multiple calls like that. Sometimes multiple in a day. My sisters, same brothers. Everyone's in shambles. I'm the leader of my family, so everyone kind of looks to me. So I've even now I haven't had that opportunity to just kind of sit with it because the people who murdered my little brother are still out there. So I'm going to take every waking opportunity to turn my pain into to purpose and ensure that there's as much light shed on this is possible and then when these individuals are caught then there's the next process of the prosecution and ensuring that they don't try to throw out softball charges they need to get the full weight and penalty of law for what they did to my family Mm -hmm. what they did to Christian and that's going to be another fight in and of itself because Kim Fox she dropped 25,000 felony cases including rape and murder so this is a battleground With multiple phases, Mm. prosecution, legislative action, putting together a coalition of folks in police groups, activists who care about the victims, not not simply the criminal, but those who care about the victims and know that the impact of these laws have been disastrous for families in Chicago and across the country. Mm -hmm. So it's so many phases, as you mentioned, it doesn't end in two weeks. And the battle continues, and I'm just extraordinarily appreciative to our Fox News family who supported me in ways like they've supported you. You know, making sure that people know, making sure that this is the highest profile murder in Chicago, and to ensure that this thing gets solved. One of the people who've been really mentoring me through this process outside of you is Sean Hannity. He's been one of God's greatest gifts. I mean, I'm telling you— I've heard over the years coming down to New York and people find out I work for Fox and they don't like Fox, but they'll say, you know, I, I, I don't like Fox. And you know, I'll tell you, Sean Hannity, I don't like his politics. I don't like what he says on TV. I'm not a fan, but he's one of the nicest guys you can ever meet. And I've heard it multiple times, Janice, and I'm sure you have as well. Oh,
0: he helped me and my family as well. Yeah, he yeah. really did. And he was one of the you know first who kind of said, Whatever I can do. And I'm not usually on his program, right? right? Because he's on at prime time and I typically am the weather lady and I do the weather. But he had me on his show many times and said, whatever I can do for your family, I will. And he did that behind the scenes. Yeah. So, and the other thing is, they will try to paint you that this is political. It's not. I know. This is about humanity. I know, but they will. They'll be like, well, like she works for Fox. So Fox is taking advantage of her situation. No, no, actually. Fox
1: is helping your situation. They're supporting you.
0: Absolutely. So that's been tough because they'll, they'll forget about your grief and pain. Yeah. And they'll go after you because of the place you work instead.
1: That's it. Yeah. That's it. Or try to discredit you because... Oh, you're not in a policy role. You do the weather, like they said. The New York governor yeah. spokesperson. Oh, the weather lady. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? It's
0: okay, actually. I I'm great. No, I'm grateful d- for that because it just points the attention to these people <laughs> yeah, and the way they are.
1: They're awful people, absolutely. But the fact that you can just discount someone's loved one. Yeah. Who who died? And I know I I get it. it to me, it's more like a murder than anything else because. It could have been prevented. You all knew what you were doing. You knew what the science said, but yet and still you did it anyway. Right. And you took the donations of these people. And now you're poking saying, Oh yeah, from the weather lady. I, know. I mean, if this wasn't a family audience, I would have other words to use. But yeah, it, it angers me and it pisses me off.
0: But it also fuels me too, because it's just like it gives me, you know, more reason to keep going. Yes. Right. I mean, if you're going to make fun of me, uh, I'm going to, you know, go harder. Yes. Stay right there. We'll have more of this story coming up. Tell me about your upbringing. I mean, like, you know, again, you sort of, you are somebody to that people look up to. I mean, Christian obviously felt that you were like a, a father figure. Yeah. Where does that come from?
1: So, interestingly enough, uh, I grew up mom addicted to drugs. Crack cocaine was her drug drug of choice. And she, thankfully, at a time during her addiction, decided that she wanted to give over custody of me and my siblings. Christian wasn't born yet. Uh, Give it to my grandmother, her mother, who was a private duty nurse at the time. And we were in a very... Much better position we were in the projects at one particular time and my grandmother kind of rescued us and then my mom gave custody And she was a private duty nurse The money was good We were in a much better situation and then one day my grandmother leaves out the house going to work and a drunk driver hits her Injures her back permanently disabled couldn't work anymore and then that's when things really began to fall apart. She lost her house to foreclosure because her choice was, you know, I have savings. I can pay my mortgage or take care of my grandchildren. And she chose the latter. Hmm. So she lost her house. We were on every government assistance program you can imagine. And then I, by way of my grandfather, because I was blessed to have my dad— who I would, he would pick me up every weekend and he would take me to my grandparents' house, his his dad and mom. Mm-hmm. And we would do catfish and spaghetti. And on Saturdays, my grandfather would wake me up at 7 a.m. to go to work with him, public construction business. And he would pay me $10 a day to hold the flashlight, hand tools, that kind of thing. And fast forwarding, because I was about maybe nine years old when this started, around 14, we're riding through this area of Chicago, called Inglewood, which is one of the hardest-hit areas in terms of the drugs and violence. And I see a lady who was clearly addicted to drugs, and I begin to tear up because I saw my mother. Mm. And as we're riding by and I'm looking out the window, my grandfather can see that I, I was tearing up, and he's a tough guy from the South, from Arkansas, so he's immediately, what's wrong with you, boy? And as we're riding by... I realized that it wasn't my mother, but it certainly could have been her. Yeah. And I say to him, what can I do to prevent this kind of thing from happening? And he begins to express to me the ability of politicians being able to increase the penalty of law for those who sell and distribute drugs and how they can provide grant funding for those who want to be rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. So I said, OK, I want to be an elected official then. Wow. So I, right after, immediately after that, I began to volunteer for my local alderman. And I was there every day after school like it was a job. My freshman year, that led to an internship with our office and a summer internship with the county treasurer. And immediately after that, I began two months after that summer internship, I started working for the federal government part-time. And I was, what, 25 hours a week, 40 hours in the summers and winters. And that's kind of how the journey started. So when I began to make money and Christian, he was actually born right after I started with the federal government. They never knew him and my other, two of my other little brothers, they never knew their dad. Because my mom, while she was having, while she was um, doing these drugs, she was still having kids. Yeah, And my grandmother would go take them in, adopt them, and raise them. And I was the big brother, and they didn't have a dad. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take you all the places. We're going to the museum. We're going to the movies. I'm taking you guys shopping. Okay, you need clothes for school. Okay, you need money for a school trip. You need money in general. Okay, like the lights are off. The gas are off. So let me pay the... It was just that kind of thing that kind of continue throughout my life so i've pretty much been the one financially supporting my family since i was about 16 years old and it's continued to this day and i'm proud to do it because god has made a way for me to do it he's made a way and they didn't deserve what they experienced growing up Mm. christian Jacob, Matthew, none of them, none of us actually. And there's so many of us, no one deserved that. But if God has given me the ability to make a difference in the lives of my family, then I gladly do it. But that was the trajectory my life had taken from growing up with my mom, who we lived in a project to grandmother up into now.
0: Who do you lean
1: on? (laughs) <laughs> that's the question. Wow. Uh, God, <laughs> number one.
0: Yeah.
1: I talk to my pastor a lot, Dr. Bill Winston, Living Work Christian Center at Forest Park, Illinois. I have to give him a shout out. He, we, we we, we had the funeral at the church, and it was so well done, and I'm so thankful to my, my Living Work Christian Center family. But, yeah, that's pretty much where it comes from. It's, it's kind of external sources that are outside of the family. My cousin, I think, is a really great example. She's a PhD psychologist. The she's she's brilliant. She's she's the smartest one in the family. I I lean on her, and I spend a lot of time uh, in therapy. Oh, yeah. So that's
0: it's important. That's helpful. Yeah, I feel like you have to have an outlet because if you keep going and you're keeping everything inside and trying to hold it together for everyone else, you're gonna fall apart. Yeah. And I'm glad that you have that and you
1: have me to lean on too. Thank you, Janice. Thank you. And I've texted you, reached out to you, hey, I need can I talk to you? Can you you have five minutes? Of course. And you so graciously, yes, yes, yes.
0: Would you get into politics?
1: You know, at one time I wanted to run and then I became a lobbyist and I saw who had the power.
0: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: And then I got in media and then I saw who really had the power. <laughs> <laughs> so So uh, I'm not necessarily interested in running, even though there's been multiple calls for me to run for mayor of Chicago. I'm not sure that I want to do that. Mm. That is quite the sacrifice. I'd rather work legislatively, as you have. (laughs) Because remember, I've I've posed that question to you. You're running for governor? (laughs) And... You've kind of responded the way I have, in a way, actually, more or less. I'm more focused on the fight
0: yeah, I and think, changing
1: things legislatively, is what you said to me, and I'm on the same page as you.
0: What I've seen in politics is very discouraging, to be quite honest with you, because are they doing it for the right reasons? Are we electing people that actually want to do something, as opposed to people who are addicted to power yes, and money? And
1: narcissism
0: yeah yeah. and that scares me the most, yes, because there have been moments where I've thought about it, mm. you know, because I would be doing it for the right reasons. you would. But then, do you get there and realize you have to do favors to get things done? Yes, and that's really scary to me
1: that is the environment and politics. That's what happens. But if you're going in with a pure heart, the right intentions which i know that you do it makes sense and you would be fully supported mm. in multiple ways so that would be beautiful but it is a very 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 tough job and it is a very dirty business yeah and you're the clean weather woman <laughs> <laughs> <someone>, always sunny <laughs>
0: well someone told me it is a blood sport and i don't know i mean i i have you know i have a thick skin after all these years but <sighs> But it's the ones that have something that have happened to them that I think make great leaders. Yes. Right. And we've had things happen to us. Yes. But I also believe that we do have a certain power um, with the platform that we have that we've been given. Thank God. Yes, ma'am. Right. And so we have to continue to spread the message because... Again, if not you, then who?
1: And that's the thing, Janice. It's for you—is what eight, nine thousand people in the uh, COVID patients in the yeah, nursing home? Yeah, over nine, 9, 9 thousand, or, or was there. it fifteen thousand? We don't really over have enough.
0: Fifteen thousand died. The governor tried to hide the numbers, right? Uh, and they put over nine thousand sick patients into nursing homes, and right. you know, it was just the other day where he admitted before he signed the order to do that, that he knew it was going to be fire through dry grass. He used that expression in the nursing homes.
1: And that reality has happened. And unfortunately, it's happened. And thank God, because of your advocacy, it will never happen again. In Chicago, there's a weekly uh, weekly slaughter, honestly. You're talking about what? Just this past weekend, 48 people shot. The weekend before that, 60 people shot. And it doesn't even make MSNBC or CNN. Right. Fox talks about it, Hmm. thankfully. But outside of Fox and local media there, who gives a damn? So this is a constant experience that we're having to live through and not a lot of people speaking out. Hmm. Because if you're mayor, you should go in one term because you're going to need to hit hit things hard. You can't placate to the folks on the left or the the right. You got to you got to placate to to the people who voted you in. Well, you have to make sure they're protected.
0: Have you talked to voters? Are they they want to get rid of the government that they currently have?
1: Yes, uh, I think most people would agree that Lori Lightfoot is a disaster. And I. I would find it hard to believe that she gets reelected absent there be a ton of people that are running against her and she just happens to to win because of her name ID and everyone else. You know, they split the vote. The county prosecutor, that's another thing. I don't understand how she was reelected considering all the things that have happened, the favors she's given to Jesse Smollett. Uh, the fact that she continues to drop cases, the fact that there's more victims, not less, and victims don't feel supported. I I don't understand how she has been able to stay in. She really should be impeached. Mm. That's my opinion. And I know that when the prosecution comes for the people who murdered my little brother, this is something that'll be out there. This podcast, I was initially trying to tiptoe around things in terms of criticizing the mayor and the county prosecutor because you need them, but they work for the people and they're supposed to work for the people. And they're not above criticism, even in an active investigation, they're not above it. And I'm frankly disappointed with what I've seen. Mm -hmm. I've reached out to the mayor's office. I reached out to our people. They don't want to meet with me. They have no interest in meeting with me, even though I know they know all about what's going on. Um, I've talked to multiple people who've called the superintendent of police on my behalf. I've spoken with multiple people who made sure the mayor knew as well. Chief of staff, all of them—they know. The press secretary of the for the Chicago mayor follows me on Twitter. They're aware. Yeah, they're very much aware. But things aren't getting done in a way that I think that they should. And I'm gonna tell you. If I'm dealing with this with all of this news coverage, imagine what your everyday Chicagoan is dealing with. Who can't afford a funeral. That funeral was very expensive. I couldn't believe funerals cost that much. How are they able to bury their loved ones? How are they able to get justice for their for their loved ones? They're not. So now this puts me in a position whereas yes, I'm fighting for Christian, but I'm fighting for so many other people who don't have a voice, a platform, who can't call the CEO of Fox News and say, "Hey, this is what's going on. I need the network's help." Mm-hmm. They don't have that. They're just another name. Uh, uh, maybe they're a name. Maybe it's just you know two people murdered on this day, uh, but they're 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 not getting the justice that they deserve. And I'm here to help. And I'm here to be that voice as you have been for so many people in the state of New York.
0: Mm. What do you know about the scene? Did Christian know the people around him?
1: <laughs> he. He knew some folks that were there. The people who were shot, I'm unclear on that. There was a girl that was shot. There was another guy that was shot. I don't even know. I don't know if he knew them. All I know from the police and they told me, they said, your brother wasn't the target. It was another guy who was targeted. He just happened to be standing in close proximity, close enough proximity that when they shot everybody who was out there, he was hit. So... That I'm clear on from the police, they told me he wasn't he wasn't involved in anything like he wasn't he was okay. okay. So you know, obviously, I was asking those questions first and foremost. You know, what was going on? But they said no, he wasn't the target. Um, apparently, one of the word the the things that I've been hearing is the guy who was the target owed some folks some money, went out to California for nine months, came back, and he was only back for four days before this happened. And then I'm hearing other things as well about the same individual. <laughs> so it's it's just an interesting uh, an interesting place to be right now as I'm trying to kind of think through where things are and where they're going as we try to get justice for them. I have a reward out now. Um, I'm matching what another group has put up. I was already going to announce the award, but they beat me to the punch. I was trying to let a month go by. And let the police do their work before they get inundated with calls that may not mean much of anything, but now we got a, up to a $30,000 reward leading to the arrest of all arrest and conviction of all that were, that were involved. So that's another, uh, 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 vehicle rather, I should say that we're pushing to ensure that the tips are coming in and we get justice for Christian.
0: Are you a hopeful person?
1: I'm a prayerful person and I know faith without works is dead. That's why I'm doing the work. And I just want to make sure that when this is all said and done, the world is a better place. Chicago's a better place and Christian's legacy lives on. And I think that's, what's most important to me. I I wrote a book that came out called taken for granted. And I talk about our families issues and the life that we experienced. And now here we are thinking after I wrote the book, wow, we're in such a better place now. Mm -hmm. Like, thank God it was such a a great ending to the book. (laughs) Like, You know, like now we can live our happy lives and you know, I'm, I'm doing great work. I'm at Fox news. I have a consulting business. I'm making money. Like things are so much better now. And here we are. I know here we are. Janice, I just don't know what to say anymore. I'm going to tell you the truth. I really don't know what to say anymore. This is the hardest experience of my life. Mm -hmm. And now it's become my life's work. And it will continue to be.
0: When you think of Christian, what's the thing that you think about
1: the most? smile. Yeah. Yeah. I just. I I had a situation literally last week. My brother had my, my brother reminded me, Joey. He reminded me that I came to town a couple years ago to surprise him for his birthday. I had called him up and I said, "Hey, I want to pay for your, you know, birthday dinner or whatever you're having." And he was with his girlfriend. I said, "Tell me what restaurant you'll be and what time, and I'm gonna call him." So I had went out there obviously the, the day before, and I was gonna surprise him, which I did. I showed up to the restaurant uh, with him and his girlfriend, and Christian was at home at his house. This was the same summer. And I was, I had took this video outside of my brother's door because no one knew that I was coming and it was kind of a surprise. And when we walked in the door, it's a video of Christian and Christian says, Giano. And he walks up to me and he gives me a big hug. And that was when I was upset with him about wanting to leave Mm. And he says to me, Giano, see, I'm doing something productive. I'll oh, show you the video. I'd love
0: to see
1: it. I'll show you the video. And I, and I was, I didn't hug him long enough because oh. I was upset with him. And then after the video, I stopped the video. I sat down on the sofa and I said, Christian, come here. Why are you trying to leave? And it kind of broke my heart to see the video because I didn't hug him long enough. Oh, God never i know but still and you hear he said giano you can hear me in the video see giano i'm doing something productive Mm. (laughs) i was told he just wanted to make me proud that was his goal in life to make me proud and be a success like his big brother giano Mm. that's all he wanted so now i've been beating myself up over the moments where i could have said something different I could have not been upset with them, but I just wanted them to live, and I just thought going back to Chicago was a horrible idea. So I have my moments here and there, Janice. Just
0: use it, use it. You know, when I find myself and I'm, t- I'm tired and I'm upset and I feel like there's a reason. There's got. There's a reason why we are put on this earth, right? And there's a path that we go on, and I believe that path is already decided for us. So it's what we do with the experience that we have that matters the most. And, you know, out of tragedy, I have found incredibly amazing people. It's like Mr. Rogers, you know, when something happens, the bad, the news is bad. You look for the helpers Hmm. and they're there. They are, they want to lift you up. They want to help you. I want to help you. you. I am here for you. You have a wonderful, you know, I've worked here almost 20 years and I, I can tell you many stories where someone has taken me aside and said, you work at a good place, you know, where they will help you. You know, instead of like, you know, when are you going to be back to work? It's take all the time you need. Yeah. And how can we help you? Yes, And so I extend that.
1: It's really a family here. It, it is. really and truly is. And I noticed that years ago when I was coming in, twenty, I got hired in 2017, but I had been coming on air as a guest since 2016. And I remember the old building, well, not the old building, we're still in it, but the basement yeah, where all the producers were. And I remember thinking and even saying, wow, this feels like a family business. It doesn't feel like a major corporation. And it really is a family here. And I'm really proud to be associated in a part of this family because I'm going to tell you, I never would have anticipated something like this happening. But to have had the support of so many people within this family and certainly the viewers from around the world, because there's a lot of viewers in different countries that just watch Fox on YouTube, mm-hmm. have reached out. I received over 60,000 messages from across the world, and I'm talking about emails, texts, calls—well, not even just calls, that's outside of the calls—social media. I mean, folks have just been so gracious and so thoughtful. People running to me on the street and say, I'm so sorry for the loss of your brother. We're supporting you. I remember I got a call from one of the detectives because he kind of ghosted me, to be honest, for a while, and I was— calling him repeatedly and he calls me up and he says hey yeah so you know we've been getting calls all across the country saying why haven't you all solved Gianno caldwell's brother's murder i shouldn't laugh
0: but you know (laughs) but you
1: get yeah, right that's just the support of the family it's like you know why haven't you so then he was forced to call me after reaching out to him for two weeks and not hearing back anything so i'm just i could not be more thankful to our audience for giving a damn. Yeah. You know, it, it, this isn't a, just a simple story that we're covering. This is a family story. Yes. So I'm, I'm so appreciative and I can't thank you all enough. Janice,
0: there will be moments where you feel like, Oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this. You know, this is yeah, taking a toll on me and then something will happen and you'll go, That was Christian telling Mm -hmm. me to keep going because I feel that too with my in-laws. I feel like, oh, that was them. That was them saying, keep going. Yes, ma'am. So keep going. Keep fighting. I
1: don't have a choice at this point, Janice. I really don't have a choice.
0: But you have so many people that are lifting you up.
1: Yes, ma'am. And prayer especially. And we need as many prayers as we can get. So, thank you for continuing to to keep us lifted in prayers and certainly, whoever's listening, thank you so much for for lifting us in prayers and continue to do so and i'm gonna tell you i'm still I'm still hunting for information with regards to what happened on how that can day. people
0: get a hold of you
1: i'm I'm gonna tell you too, and if you know anything of any details or if you think you know something, if you might know something. Uh, regarding what happened June 24th at 114th Street, South Vincent in Chicago. Please, please, please reach out to the Chicago Police Department. Uh, you can reach out to me directly on Instagram, Facebook, or even Twitter at Gianno Caldwell, G-I-A-N-N-O Caldwell, C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. Again, that's at Gianno Caldwell, G-I-A-N-N-L Caldwell, C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. And the police number, if you have any information, is 312-747-8271. Again, that's 312-747-8271. I'm just so thankful and in awe and appreciative of the support. This is my first time in New York, back in our headquarters since December 2019, Mm. And wow, <laughs> wow, wow.
0: What I've learned is through tragedy, there is gratitude. Mm. And um, there's more good than evil in this world. I choose to believe that. And we're all here with you. And you have a friend for life. Yes, ma'am. And I'll always be here for you. And uh, and God bless you. I love you very much. I
1: love you too, Janice in the most appropriate way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You're the best. <laughs> yes, man. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank We're you, welcome. Janice. You got it.
0: Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.